0: Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 182 of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's big Bible question is: When Jesus forbids judging, what is he forbidding? Fellow friends, happy Saturday to you. The world is burning, but may the fire on the altar of prayer in our hearts and in the house of God never go out. Keep. Praying. Today's Bible readings include the amazing Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 119, 120-144, Isaiah 58, and Matthew 7, home of the John 3.16 of today, basically, judge not. Everybody, atheists, Christians, space pilots, space invaders, pirates, merchants, cobblers, hoopers, coopers, blacksmiths, rocket scientists, brain surgeons, jesters, village idiots, agnostics, physicists, hucksters, fishwifes, bailiffs, boyers, uber drivers, costermongers, fletchers, innkeeps, bootblacks, and even submarine captains all know that Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judge. What is less common, however, is that The understanding of what exactly judging entails from a biblical perspective. In other words, what is Jesus forbidding here? Many people assume that judging means the declaring of something wrong. But consider this hypothetical conversation. Cobbler Joe says, You know who I really hate? "'Scandinavians, they look funny, smell like fish, tower over the rest of us with their above-average height, and are dumber than Irish potato candy.'" Starship's Captain Spiff. "'Joe, you're being a racist there, and you should know that Irish potato candy isn't Irish and usually doesn't have potatoes in it at all, but rather coconuts and cinnamon.'" Cobbler Joe. "'Don't judge me. The Bible says not to judge, Spaceman Spiff.'" Also, you were making that up about Irish potato candy. Starship Space Captain Spiff, just google it, racist. I, look, I know, I know. I should be writing screenplays with such brilliant and realistic characters and character names and dialogue that just flows like butter, right? But alas, I'm stuck doing a ba- daily Bible podcast and some till somebody uh, like Warner Brothers, I suppose, discovers my amazing dialogue writing ability. Anyway, what were we talking about? Irish potato can Oh, yes, of course. We were talking about judging. So let's get back on track and read Matthew chapter 7 to hear what Jesus has to say about judging. Matthew 7 verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. So, in our hypothetical but extremely gripping conversation we had above, we had some clear racist behavior from Joe the shoe repair guy, and when he's confronted with his racism, he attempts to protect himself by quoting Jesus here in Matthew 7. Is he right? Are Christians forbidden by Jesus to call out racism, abuse, sexism, violence, bullying, etc.? And the answer is, of course not. It is not judgment for Christians to agree with and share what the Bible calls sin. The Bible expressly and explicitly forbids racism, certain sexual behaviors, lying, haughtiness, abuse, theft, drunkenness, and many other things. It is not being judgmental to agree with, teach, exhort people with what the Bible says. Well, let's go to Sam Storms, who was a pastor at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma and help. Let him help us understand this passage a little bit better, along with our old friend John Stott. And Dr. Storm says, Never has a passage of scripture been so utterly abused, misunderstood, and misapplied as this one. Non-Christians, and a few misguided believers as well, use this text to denounce any and all who venture to criticize or expose the sins, shortcomings, or doctrinal aberrations of others. One dare not speak ill of homosexuality, adultery, gossip, cheating on your income tax, fornication, abortion, non-Christian religions, and so on, without incurring the wrath of multitudes who are convinced that Jesus, whom they despise and reject, said that we wouldn't, would, should not judge one another. The problem, says Storms, is due in large measure to the fact that people hate absolutes, especially moral absolutes. To suggest that there really is an absolute difference between good and evil, truth and falsity, is to risk being labeled as medieval and closed-minded. The irony, of course, is that in judging us for judging others, they are themselves violating the very commandment to which they want to hold us accountable. To insist that it is wrong to pronounce others wrong for embracing a particular belief or moral practice is itself an ethical position, a moral stand to insist on uncritical tolerance of all views is extremely intolerant of those who embrace a different perspective. What, then, does Jesus mean in Matthew 7, through 6 Well, it would appear that Jesus is prohibiting this sort of judgmental criticism that is self-righteous, hypercritical, hypocritical, and destructive— he is prohibiting the kind of judgment we pass on others, not out of concern for their spiritual health and welfare, but solely to parade our alleged righteousness before people. Jesus is prohibiting not loving rebuke and constructive criticism, but rather self-serving censoriousness. To be censorious, as John Stott explains, does not mean to assess people critically, but to judge them harshly. The censorious critic is a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people and enjoys actively seeking out their failings. He puts the worst possible construction on their motives, pours cold water on their schemes, and is ungenerous towards their mistakes. To sum up, says Stott, the command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. Jesus does not tell us to cease to be men by suspending our critical powers, which help to distinguish us from animals, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. But we shouldn't stop with merely verse, uh, chapter 7 verse 1, for Jesus has much more to say on this subject in the verses that follow. The reason he gives for not judging others in a self-righteous and censorious manner is that with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The problem here is determining whether this refers to the judgment we experience at the hands of men or of God. I'm convinced it is the latter. When we set up a standard to which others must conform, we are no less obliged to keep it than they are. That is why humility and love must govern our judgments. All criticism must be preceded, preceded by confession. Before we point out a fault in others, let us first confess its presence in our own lives. An illustration of this principle is given for us by Jesus in Matthew 7, 3-5. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, asked Jesus, but don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This principle applies to any number of situations, such as denouncing the external visible sins of the flesh, like adultery, theft, murder, in order to excuse or minimize the internal, less visible sins of the heart, like jealousy, bitterness, greed, or lust. Related to this, the tendency to point out the faults of others precisely to throw them off the, the scent of our own sin, This form of judgment is nothing more than self-justification. We think that if we can make known to others the gravity of their sins, we will, by comparison, come out smelling like a rose. Those wise words from Mr. Storm and a good exhortation from Jesus. Let's continue with Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Pay attention, heavens, and I will speak. Listen, earth, to the words from my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words settle like dew, like gentle rain on new grass and showers on tender plants. For I will proclaim the Lord's name, declare the greatness of our God. The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God without bias. He is righteous and true. His people have acted corruptly towards him. This is their defect." They are not his children, but a devious and crooked generation. Is this how you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father and creator? Didn't he make you and sustain you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of past generations. Ask your father, and he will tell you your elders, and they will teach you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and divided the human race, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the people of Israel. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his own inheritance. He found him in a desolate land, in a barren howling wilderness. He surrounded him, cared for him, and protected him as the pupil of his eye. He watches over his nest like an eagle and hovers over his young. He spreads his wings, catches him, and carries him on his feathers. The Lord alone led him with no help from a foreign god. He made him ride on the heights of the land and eat the produce of the field. He nourished him with honey from the rock and oil from flinty rock curds from the herd and milk from the flock with the fat of lambs rams from Bashan and goats with the choicest grains of wheat you drank wine from the finest grapes then Jeshurun became fat and rebelled you became fat bloated and gorged he abandoned the god who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation They provoked his jealousy with different gods. They enraged him with detestable practices. They sacrificed to demons, not God, to gods they had not known, new gods that had just arrived, which your ancestors did not fear. You ignored the rock who gave you birth. You forgot the God who gave birth to you. When the Lord saw this, he despised them. Angered by his sons and daughters, he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what will become of them for they are a perverse generation, unfaithful children. They've provoked my jealousy with what is not a god. They have enraged me with their worthless idols. So I will provoke their jealousy with what is not a people. I will enrage them with a foolish nation for fire has been kindled because of my anger and burns to the depths of Sheol. It devours the land and its produce and scorches the foundations of the mountains. I will pile disasters on them. I will use up my arrows against them. They will be weak from hunger, ravaged by pestilence and bitter plague. I will unleash on them wild beasts with fangs as well as venomous snakes that slither in the dust. Outside the sword will take their children and inside there will be terror. The young man and the young woman will be killed, the infant and the gray-haired man. I would have said I will cut them to pieces and blot out the memory of them from mankind if I had not feared provocation from the enemy or feared that these foes might misunderstand and say... Our own hand has prevailed. It wasn't the Lord who did this. Israel is a nation lacking sense with no understanding at all. If only they were wise, they would comprehend this. They would understand their fate. How could one pursue a thousand or two put 10,000 to plight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? But their rock is not like our rock, as even our enemies concede. For their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poisonous, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is serpents of venom, the deadly poison of cobras. Is it not stored up with me, sealed up in my vaults? Vengeance and retribution belong to me. In time their foot will slip, for their day of disaster is near and their doom is coming quickly." The Lord will indeed vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone and no one is left slave or free. He will say, where are their gods, the rock they found refuge in? Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you. Let it be a shelter for you. See now that I alone am he, for there is no God but me. I bring death and I give life. I wound and I heal. No one can rescue anyone from my power." I raise my hand to heaven and declare, as surely as I live forever, when I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold of judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood while my sword devours flesh, the blood of the slain and the captives, the heads of the enemy leaders." Rejoice, you nations, concerning his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his adversaries. He will purify his land and his people. Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and recited all the words of this song in the presence of the people. After Moses finished reciting all these words to all of Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all these words I am giving you as a warning to you today, so that you may command your children to follow all the words of this law carefully." For they are not meaningless words to you, but they are your life, and by them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. On that same day, the Lord spoke to Moses, go up Mount Nebo in the Abiram range in the land of Moab across from Jericho and view the land of Canaan. I am giving the Israelites as a possession. Then you will die on the mountain that you go up and you will be gathered to your people just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people." For both of you broke faith with me among the Israelites at the waters of meribath Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin by failing to treat me as holy in their presence. Although from a distance you will view the land that I am giving the Israelites, you will not go there. Psalm chapter 119, verse 121, I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Guarantee your servants well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes grow weary looking for your salvation and for your righteous promise. Deal with your servant based on your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your decrees. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have violated your instruction. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, I carefully follow all your precepts, and I hate every false way. Your decrees are wondrous, therefore I obey them. The revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commands. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your practice towards those who love your name. Make my steps steady through your promise. Don't let any sin dominate me. Redeem me from human oppression and I will keep your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes pour out of streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. You are righteous, Lord, and your judgments are just. The decrees you issue are righteous and altogether trustworthy. My anger overwhelms me because my foes forget your words. Your word is completely pure and your servant loves it. I am insignificant and despised, but I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your instruction is true. "'Trouble and distress have overtaken me, "'but your commands are my delight. "'Your decrees are righteous forever. "'Give me understanding and I will live.'" Isaiah 59, verse one. "'Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save "'and his ear is not too deaf to hear, "'but your iniquities are separating you from your God "'and your sins have hidden his face from you "'so that he does not listen.'" For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, and your lips have spoken lies, and your tongues mutter injustice. No one makes claims justly, no one pleads honestly, they trust in empty and worthless words, they conceive trouble and give birth to iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave spiders' webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die, crack one open and a viper is hatched. Their webs cannot become clothing, and they cannot cover themselves with their works. Their works are sinful works, and violent acts are in their hands. Their feet run after evil, and they rush to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are sinful thoughts. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. They have not known the path of peace, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made their roads crooked. No one who walks on them will know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We hope for light, but there is darkness for brightness, but we live in the night." We grope along a wall like the blind. We grope like those without eyes. We stumble at noon as though it were twilight. We are like the dead among those who are healthy. We are all growl like bears and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none for salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions have multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us and we know our iniquities, transgression and deception against the Lord turning away from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering lying words from the heart. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off, for truth has stumbled in the public square and honesty cannot enter. Truth is missing and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord saw that there was no justice and he was offended. He saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding. So his own arm brought salvation, and his own righteousness supported him. He put on righteousness as body armor and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. So he will repay according to their deeds, fury to his enemies, retribution to his foes, and he will repay the coasts and islands. They will fear the name of the Lord in the west and his glory in the east. For he will come like a rushing stream, driven by the wind of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. This is the Lord's declaration. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of your children's children from now on and forever, says the Lord. Amen. May it be a good weekend for you, friends. Stay safe. In the name of Jesus, good day to you, and Godspeed.